Welcome to the Do Business Better podcast, the place for ideas you can implement to achieve prosperity. You'll get insights from successful business people on how they do business better. You'll glean tactics on creating a life and business by choice because we interview real business people who've done just that. Now here's your host, Damian Mason. Hey, thanks for joining us here on the Do Business Better podcast, where we get together a couple times per week and interview good people that can help you with your own life and creating a life and business by choice. Got a great show for you today. Her name is Catherine Leola, and she is a certified financial planner. She runs her own fee-based financial advising firm in the suburbs of Washington, D.C. She's a smart lady. She's got a lot to say, and that's why she's here today. We're especially going to talk about not only finances and creating the life and business by choice through your money. We're going to try and improve your relationship with money, and we're going to talk about something that she advises her clients on behavioral financials. Catherine, thanks for being here. Thank you. It's really exciting to be here, and I'm excited for our conversation. Okay. So give us the background. I've been on your website and, uh, and I thought it was pretty, pretty, pretty well done. Of course, it's a good website. Cool. And you talk about working for other people. I thought that was really good that no matter what, cause I say to my audiences all the time, every dollar you're going to make the rest of your life is currently someone else's dollar. And you seem to understand that pretty well as a fee-based financial advisor, but you do more than just financials. So go ahead and give me the scoop. So for me, it really goes back to honestly being a little kid and something that really made a big impression on my life growing up was the fact that my parents believed in us that we could be whatever it was that we wanted to be as long as we worked hard for it. That gave me this permission to just explore myself, explore life and try new things. What I've seen so often, and I definitely am guilty of this at times, but I see so often that many people live a life that has nothing to actually really do what's most important to them. And the thing is, is that whether it's decisions around where they're working, the home that they live in, whatever it is that they're doing in terms of lifestyle, all of these things have financial implications. And so often, We then plan for big goals such as retirement or a kid's college education or a down payment for our home. And we're making these decisions, but yet we've had the habits over the course of years that have supported us not actually knowing how to look within and make decisions that are aligned with who we are at our core. Okay, so first off, I like the fact that uh, you know there are there are people that don't have a good relationship with money. They don't have a good uh, money uh, mind, and they say things like, "I'm just never been good with money." And I say, "No, you've never been good with discipline, because really, money is just discipline." And I point out all the time that's not the root of all evils, and it's not you know people say, "Well, money just changed them." Well. That's who they were. It's just that they now got richer. Uh, so so I, I talk a lot about those kinds of things. The money's not the root of all evil. Unscrupulous people uh, are, are what they are. It's just that uh, money is a reflection of that. Money also, I say there's no such thing as a money problem. You know, there's just problems that sort of fester and resonate and through money. So I kind of like where you're going here because when I talk about life and business by choice, obviously financials are a big part of that, but also I wanted to have enough money when I started my business to be able to be creative, to be comfortable, and also 
increasingly to be able to say no to things that I do not want to do. That's where I look at what money does for me. It buys me independence. It's a freedom. It's absolutely right. It's a freedom. And that's kind of what we're looking at. So keep going. I like what you're saying here. So now I would suggest that when people might consider themselves someone who struggles with money or is not very good at managing money, I would suggest putting that completely to the side. I think too often in our country, we either label ourselves like that or other people uh, label others like that. And what I think it's more about is actually they might not be good at looking and discovering about what's important to them. If people know what's important to them, if they know how to ask questions, if they know how to do things such as self-care, self-love, how to invest in themselves, meaning whether it be going back to school or trying a new hobby or reading a book, listening to a podcast, the list can go on and on. If people are taught how to do those things, I 100% believe that a lot of the money problems that most people have would actually begin to go away. And part of the reason in this country that we have such a large problem with money is because we don't really talk about it. Most families don't really express any emotion or knowledge to the entire family. And so people just grow up and all of a sudden have to become adults. And it's like people are assumed to know what to do, but no one's really ever taught them. Yeah. You know, Catherine, I, I made my wife a money person. She would not naturally go that direction, but we work together. We live together. We try and go out here every day and, you know, make a living and do what we do. And I said, all right, here's the thing. Uh, we do the hard work of making the money. And then there's the next work of saving the money. Then let's talk about investing and managing this so that we can have the life and business that we want. So, yeah, there's two things that somehow uh, were always taboo to talk about in many families, and that's money and sex. And then consequently, you've got kids that don't uh, that don't understand either thing. And yeah, so it's true. Uh, so so you, you're there with the money. And also, I should point out to our listeners, you also run a firm. You have employees. You are the founder and uh, the the person in charge. I don't know if you call yourself the CEO, president, uh, manager, whatever. You I run do say business. CEO, yes, because for me, it's important for the team and for our clients to understand what are the core responsibilities. And as a CEO, vision and execution are extremely key. All right. So as a business person, as a business owner and operator, you serve the clients. I serve clients. I'm a service provider just like you. You get paid a fee to help them achieve their goals. What's the first thing you do? The client comes into you. They've got a good job. Maybe they're broke. Maybe they, they make a lot of money and blow it, which is a lot of people's problems. What's the first thing you do? You do a sit down and what do you cover? So before we're actually choosing to work with a prospective client, we've actually had a phone call with them to make sure that what they're seeking and what we provide aligns. And then when they do come in, we already know that there is going to be at least a baseline level of alignment. And so in that initial meeting, prior to someone becoming a client is where we actually explore the numbers of their current reality in a lot more detail. But we probably spend the majority of our time really digging into what their relationship is with money, but most importantly, 
with themselves, their career, their personal life. Not that we are acting as therapists, but we very much want to understand what, where is this person? Because for us, once that person becomes a client, we believe it's important to meet that client where they are. So we may not necessarily agree with everything that they are subscribing to in terms of philosophies about money or whatever they are sharing with us. But we do believe it's important to meet the client where they are and to put a foundation in place so that the client has a level of safety from a financial perspective, but also is able to then start building trust. When we can create that foundation, and that foundation is going to be different for people. So usually there's things around, for example, making sure that there is insurance in place, cash reserves, it's sometimes where we are looking at the relationship that they have in terms of holding on to, for example, paper too long and just needing to be able to set up paperless statements. But again, it's understanding that the client needs to be met with where their needs are. And once we have those key pieces in place, that's where the fun really begins because the client is more willing to trust us on the journey that we're going to take them so that they can be able to forge this new path forward aligned with what's most important to them. Okay. So what's the biggest problem that uh, you see? What's the biggest problem that people have that are your clients? Well, in our firm, there's really two main type of people who are coming to us. So we, we're pretty niche. One is we are often working with owners of firms two to three years prior to their first or second exit. So it's a very, very niche group of people. So and then the other... Explain, explain that. You said, you said they... Explain that again. Your, a lot of your clients are... They are... Owners. So they're the, owners, they're the owners of their firm and they are going to be exiting their firm. So essentially selling either the firm or they're going to be bought out of the firm and the firm is going to continue on. Do you mean firm could be any company or do you mean specifically like a law firm or accounting firm or what, what kind of, what kind of clients, what kind of industry are they in? It completely ranges, but it's usually where it's a firm, a startup that they have created. Okay. So that's, so you, it could be a law firm, but I wouldn't, if they created a law firm, they're likely not looking to exit the firm in a two year, two to three year time period. We're typically working with a lot of people in the startup community and then separate is when we're seeing people who are very much experiencing a pain point in their life. The pain point is not actually what's giving them a reason to call us. The pain point is giving them more information that they, the plan that they have in place is not enough. And they're seeking essentially coaching as far as helping them work through how to get out of this short term, whether it be a mess or just a lot of complexities. What's the, uh, what's the age? So we typically, in general, work with people between the ages of 35 and 55. Okay. It's a little bit more weighted in terms of numbers for people who are 45 to 55, but our, our sweet spot is really 35 to 55. Got it. Okay. So you run your own business and we're talking about all that. One of the things you offer, and by the way, in case you forgot, dear listener, we're talking to Catherine Leola. She is a the founder and principal of Concentric Private Wealth or is it Personal Wealth? Concentric Private Wealth. 
Concentric Private Wealth, a McLean, Virginia-based financial advisory firm. And so she runs a business. She knows about business. She knows about money. And we're helping you achieve the life and business of your choosing and having a good relationship with money. You know, I've got a chapter in my book, Do Business Better, all about money. In fact, it's titled No Money or You'll Have No Money. It's just that important. So, uh, Catherine, financial behavioral financial advice. That's one of your offerings on your website, behavioral financial advice. Tell me what that means. So it's actually behavioral advice, and this is different than behavioral finance. So what behavioral advice is, in a nutshell, is helping the client understand why behind every decision that they're making. So for example, if someone is living in their home, We want to be able to help the client recognize and be aware of why are they living in that specific home, neighborhood, why are they going to the job that they're going to, all of these different things, so that when we are getting to the bottom of this, sometimes that's actually going to cause the client to initiate a new action, whether it be to move or maybe change something, or maybe just to say, wow, this is exactly what I want and to celebrate that. But often decisions have been made because that's what someone subconsciously thought was best for them or what they were supposed to do. And we really want to help our clients not be doing things that they were supposed to do or have the word should come into their financial decisions. So behavioral advice is really helping clients align their behaviors with the decisions that they're making. Okay. So, because this ultimately does come out in the wash with the money, you know, I talk a lot about habits and I point out that routines are different than habits. Routines are mindless, unwavering, unimaginative, rote procedures. Uh, habits can become that, but habits, we always say, oh, you're a creature habit. And I say, no, 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 you're the result of your habits because habits are more active, more deliberate. You know, smoking is a habit, but also so is flossing and exercising. So I talk a lot about the power of habits and the, the reason that you do these things every day on a daily basis, thoughtfully and uh, deliberately. So it sounds to me like you're kind of going down the same road of, all right, why do you do what you do? And then how can we make it so that you do it better. Is that what I'm hearing? Exactly. And there's so many different types of resources that we use to help clients over this journey. But for all of your listeners, something that is really important just to begin doing is actually creating space, like actual space for you to be able to start thinking, reflecting, and considering what about or what if. In the world that we live in with all this information, we don't often give ourselves time to just process where we're going. And yet a year goes by, five years goes by, 10 years goes by, and there's a lot of good things that happen, but there's not often an alignment. And so even if there's just an alignment that needs to be corrected by 1%, if that 1% isn't given that attention, well, that's going to compound over time and become a problem that's now going to represent 10% or 15%. And those things is where the issues and the concerns, the financial complications come into place. Catherine, it sounds to me like you are sometimes a financial advisor and sometimes a a counselor. (laughs) We we hear that a lot. We hear the words coach and counselor. We definitely do not have uh, any type of designation around therapy. 
but it's part of what we do. And, and the thing in, in financial services, it's not about just managing money. Managing money, while yes, is important and has its complexities, managing money has become a lot easier over the course of the last decade, especially with technology and just the efficiencies that are in place. The planning piece is what is often avoided by not just, for example, people who are walking down the street, but even by financial advisors. A lot of financial advisors are really just asking asking questions as far as when do you want to retire? What do you want to do with your home? I'm the biggest believer in working with financial advisors. But for your listeners, it's really important to ask questions for the people that they're considering working with to ensure that that advisor is aligned with the scope of work, the expectations, and the depth of planning that they potentially might be seeking. Okay. Let's talk about besides just that part of it. Now, you're running a business, and so you're a service-based business, as we already decided. Uh, what, did you, what did you get wrong and what did you get right? I'm sure that when you started this firm, how long, you, how long did you start up? Seven years in October. So seven years, you made it past that, uh, that uh, two to five window that we always hear about where businesses mm-hmm. fail. You're in your seventh year. Um, you're going to be, uh, you're going to be starting your eighth. What'd you get wrong? Like, where did you like look around and say, Oh my God, I really got this wrong. I didn't think this. So I've been in the industry now for almost 18 years. So that is something where I feel like the beginning part of my career, there were way more mistakes than in the last seven years. And those mistakes have been really big learning tools. So while I'm going to highlight something in a moment that has nothing to do with being a business owner right now, but it's important to just recognize that the mistakes have helped me get to where I am today. And so that was something that early on in my career, at the very, very beginning stages, I didn't celebrate what I could take away from those mistakes. And so while The goal is not to just fall flat on my face at this point. At the same time, I'm not quite as hard on myself because I think sometimes what can easily happen is if we're beating ourselves up too much, we hesitate to try something new and trying something new, taking that step forward, that little baby step is really where the magic begins because it's not that one step that necessarily creates that big picture, but it's that one baby step, then another baby step, then another baby step. And all of a sudden, you've created something pretty beautiful that is having impact on those around you. And that's that's awesome. So that would be one. Another would be, in the beginning, I was holding on to responsibilities that were not a reflection of my unique gifts. Okay, so, so you were you were you're saying you were doing you were doing work that you shouldn't have done? Yes, things that I was excellent at doing, but things that didn't allow me to use my energy in the way that could create the most impact, which of course has a financial implication as well. So yeah, that so, is something I, I definitely have improved majorly on over time. Yeah, you know, we all struggle with that. You know, my business is me. My wife uh, doesn't work as much as I do toward the business, uh, but she works, she's involved, and then sometimes some hired help. Uh, and you're always at that thing of what should I be doing more of? What should I be doing less of? And it's it's a tough thing to strike. You know, there's that other thing where people say, why would you ever uh, do this when you could hire somebody? Well, at some point, where do you 
where do you stop that? I mean, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, I can hire a lot of things done, but you can't hire everything done. So there's that's always, I think, a balancing act. And I've been at it for 25 years. Yes, it's definitely something that will be an area that I need to continue to have attention on for the rest of my life. But I would also, I think something I've learned along the way is, you're right, you can't hire for everything. You can hire for a lot of things. But if you're in a position where it's like, oh my gosh, I need to be delegating more and more and more. And you're finding that you're not able to do the things that you love. Well, there's either potentially something wrong with the business model that you're building. If you're not able to actually get to what it is that you love, or maybe you need to just bring in someone who has a different perspective so that there's an additional set of eyes to say, Hey, what if you were to just rearrange things a little bit this way or that way? I'm a big believer in the collaboration uh, and how much that can positively impact business growth as well as our own personal growth. Sure. All right. A couple things before we wrap up. Uh, goals. What goal, what thing are you doing? Because you talked about this and you, you know, you're, you're a counselor, you're an advisor, you're a financial person, you're a lot of things. What are you doing in your life and business that's, a, that's a, a, something you're stepping out? It's a, little bit, it's a little bit frightening, but you're doing it. What? So we just launched this actually July 1st, but we have brought to market a very unique pricing schedule, which is very different than the financial services industry. So most advisors subscribe to an AUM, assets under management percentage model. And to us as a firm, while that makes sense for a strategy for, let's just say, an investment sleeve of how you work with someone, how much people charge in this industry is not aligned with scope of work or value delivered. So we have actually created a model which a lot of advisors uh, are a little nervous about because it's kind of how will that disrupt the system. And we believe that our model is one that's fair to clients, but also will help transform the financial services industry so that all of the really awesome advisors that are out there and doing incredible work for their clients will be the ones to be able to rise and be seen for the great work that they're doing. Yeah. Now this is the other part of it. You know, frankly, you're in a business that is a service business. It's also a competitive business. And I understand based on my reading, the millennials and the post millennials don't believe they should pay somebody like you a fee when they could just go and and put into an index fund and they could just invest their own money and it'll cost them like one, uh, one eighth of 1% or something like that. So how do you, what do you do? You, what do you do to look different in that marketplace? Well, I actually don't, I've not had that as my experience. I'm aware of that information and research, but for us, if we were just managing money, then that type of information would likely scare us because then truly what is our unique offering? But for us, managing money is only one sleeve of what we do for our clients and how we charge for that is actually very competitive with robo advisors. Yep. So we have a small premium on it, but it's not significant. And that advice piece that we provide that you're not going to get at high as a level with a robo advisor or doing it on your own. We believe that there's a lot of value to that, but most of our fees are coming from the scope of work and 
we've actually found, especially with millennials, that when people are in their early 30s or if they've had a lot of success in their 20s, that as the money starts building up, that people very much come calling for advice because <laughs> it, it's a little bit different when people are just you know right out of college. But when there are decisions around homes, children, childcare, professional changes, very often people are looking for advice. And you know what? For those who are not looking for advice, then great. They shouldn't be paying someone for advice if they actually don't want the advice. You know, sure. For our firm, we want people who are coachable. Speaking of advice, it's the last question. Catherine Leola, give it to me. Advice, one piece of advice, knowledge, information you want to leave anybody can benefit from. I would highly encourage all of your listeners to look at how they're spending money on a day-to-day basis and over the course of the year and to ask themselves, how am I investing in myself? And to be able to answer that with examples that are using time and money. So we're not talking about, for example, going and getting a haircut or your nails done or buying clothes. That's personal care, very important, but different than investing in yourself. Investing in yourself is taking money, taking time to explore who you are inside. When that starts happening, there are more opportunities for people to experience true fulfillment and to actually have financial independence because then they start seeing an alignment of how they can actually show up in this world. There we go. There's the behavioral financial advice and some life advice actually being what you're talking about is being very meaningful and in what you do and deliberate in how you invest your time and your money, I think is what I'm hearing. And that's, um, yeah. that's all good. Intentionality Catherine, is huge. Catherine Leola is her name. You can find her where? One of my favorite ways for people to follow is on LinkedIn at Catherine Leola. And your listeners can look on Fridays. I put up a video that's approximately two to three minutes called Financial Fitness Friday. And that will give a little tip each week. And then they can also find me on Twitter at Catherine Liola, as well as on our website, Concentric Private Wealth. Got it. Catherine Liola, follow her on LinkedIn. Until next time. Thank you for being here, by the way. Thank you. It was a pleasure. All right. Hey, till next time, dear listeners. Uh... I know you got something out of this. Come back next time. It's the Do Business Better podcast.